You're listening to episode 237 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season four of TNT's Librarians, and we've reached the midpoint, and I know you've seen the whole thing. I still have not, but uh, I like this episode a lot. Yeah, this is a really good episode, um, you know, This and this has a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm just going to say it's one time, but there's a lot that resonates from this one through the rest of the season. This is a pretty crucial episode in the season. Um, so, uh, but yeah, really, really good one. But, yeah, oh man, I, the, I just got to say the finale, oh man, it was, it was, un- oh, it was so, oh, I can't. You got to watch it. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, a lot of the themes that get brought up in this episode that I, I assume is what you're talking about that, that follows through to the end of the season, Christian Kane kind of alluded to some of them in his interview. So I'm really liking it. We, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, but as always, we want to remind you, love to hear from you. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave us a voicemail. Record your own audio clip if you want. Send us the MP3. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So um, before we get into a little bit of feedback from Fred and obviously the discussion of 406, we mentioned last week we we're going to talk a little bit about Altered Carbon, the cyberpunk series that that dropped on Netflix, uh, I guess, less than a week ago. And I know you got through it a lot more quickly than I did, but I still got through pretty darn good. Oh, it's two weeks ago. Okay. So so we've both seen the whole thing. And, uh, you know, if you don't know what cyberpunk... Like a week and a couple of days. I know I'm being pedantic. (laughs) A week and a half. Okay. Two weekends ago. All right. Anyway, so... If you don't know what cyberpunk is, and, and I know it's one of those things that you could argue, well, I know it when I see it. And that's, you know, I, I get that. But one of the ways I always remember it is high tech, low life, that, that you're in an environment where the technology has far surpassed where we are now, yet we're dealing with the underbelly of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of law enforcement, it's usually the crooked cops and politicians i guess you could argue they're all crooked and certainly that's what altered carbon shoots for right it's Uh, a future where you know we think that the future is going to be bright and shiny and everything's going to be clean and spotless and you know with you know more advanced technology everyone's lives will be better and in cyberpunk it's really like well you know it's it's always like like an elite few whose lives are actually better but for most of us, it's very grimy, dirty, dingy, very similar to what our lives, you know, are, not that I'm saying our lives are grimy, dirty, and dingy now, but very similar to urban you know, scenes that we see in today's uh, urban centers. And um, with, as you said, like the, the kind of the dark underbelly of society. Yeah. Now, you didn't read the novel, right? I did not, no. Okay, and and neither did I. So you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the ending in a minute. And yeah, one of the things that I've learned, and most of my cyberpunk experiences through William Gibson, who wrote Neuromancer uh, among other novels, but is that they rarely have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they have a less 
depressing ending than they could have had but but generally you know they're they're not you know uplifting works and the the ending of altered carbon has generated a lot of i think controversy is probably a, a reasonable word to use but just the basics of the story is that we've reached a level of technology where an individual's consciousness can be stored on what's called a stack which is implanted, I guess, in your, you know, cervical, in, in uh, your vertebrae, in like the back of your, yeah, in your, yeah, right, in your vertebrae, and not unlike what they were doing in Dollhouse with the wedges, right. So, uh, except the wedges weren't yeah, like an actual physical thing inserted into the body. No, they weren't. But but the idea that you could store it, yes, and download it into another body. For instance, we had that one episode, yeah. right? Yeah, where, right, absolutely. Where the woman was trying to catch her killer, which is essentially what happens right. in Altered Carbon. Which is funny because it's, it's uh, like similarly to Dollhouse, because some people are wealthy enough that they can, you know, they have multiple stacks. Um, and so if they aren't able to upload, as Lawrence was not able to before he died, then it goes back to like the lady in Dollhouse where... You know, she knew she had died, but she didn't know how she had died because her consciousness was stored before she died, you know. Exactly, right. And and, and like what you're referring to is the, the concept of backing up periodically and not unlike with computers that if your computer crashes, you're only as good as the last time you backed up. So we also have what uh, is known as a sleeve, which is simply a body. You know, you got to pick up on the terminology right. because they throw a lot at you pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But the major point you pick up so that the idea is your body, your sleeve can die, but as long as your stack is undamaged, it can be placed into another sleeve depending on how much money it, you it, have. I was about and, to and, say, as, as long as you got the cash. And the more cash you have, the better sleeve you can purchase. So we see like in, I think it's like episode one, right? That uh, a a family of a girl who was killed in an accident, uh, a child, and they put her stack uh, into the body of an old woman. And the parents say something like, she's seven years old. And they're like, hey, you know, if you can pay for it, you'll get a better one next time or something like that. Right. And, And the ultra wealthy, they try on sleeves like we try on sweaters you know so anyway that that gives you the basic rundown you know for the series and and obviously it it deals with immortality greed family i mean there's a lot of themes that run through it but at the heart it's a procedural of sorts to find out this guy's murderer and, you know, we're not going to get into the detail and spoil it for you. You know, let, let's jump ahead to the ending, because the first thing I'm thinking as things are starting to unfold and, and I'm seeing where all this is going, Deus Ex Machina is kind of hovering above and I'm seeing those words in my mind. Was it a little too neat and pat an ending? That, you know, as I really, really like this this series so i'm gonna start off by saying that but um you know at the end i was thinking just way too resolved way too happy like really no one you know the bad guys all punished good guys all survive for the most part 
Um, you know, we always there's there's a couple red shirts that go down here and there. But for the most part, the evil is is punished, good is rewarded, and balance is brought back to the universe, right? And it, it always takes me back to a film called Absence of Malice, where you know all, all of this, you know, this one character who'd been wrongly accused is you know Paul Newman's character, and to get back at the people that did that to him, he drags them down and he really sets them up. And there's a line with the the uh, not district attorney, I guess he's the federal prosecutor, whatever. He goes, are you that smart? And I'm sitting there thinking like, really? You know, is talk really this smart that he's able to, because it's almost like he just goes down. Okay. Now for you, there's this, 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 and this. Okay. Yep. Put her in cuffs. And for you, you know, this, 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 and this put him in cuffs. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, but I get the fact that they might want to leave it open for a season two. And as I understand it, it is a series of books that this is the, the first book. Oh, the is it? Takeshi Kovach oh, okay. series. See, I so, didn't know that. So when the end was all you know neatly done and everything, I'm like, did they do that just so they could get another season out of it? Because you, you, know, you would expect, as you said, when we started talking about this, uh, the cyberpunk, we don't really expect it to end well. You know, we expect it to, at best, to be some kind of ambiguous ending. Um, but usually, a kind of the hero is, you know, not on in a good place at the end. And this was just all everything was just kind of hunky dory at the end. Yeah, and you know, Deach and Lockman, who again we know from Dollhouse, you, you, we'd see her name in the credits. And early on in, in the uh, series, you know, she, she would appear here and there, and we weren't really sure whether she was just going to appear in flashbacks, but then we really get a heavy dose yeah. of her in the last couple episodes. Yeah, we see and, way more of Deachin than just her name. Yes. Yes, we do. And, and, you know, this is not for the kids. No. I mean, we talk about the librarians as being for the whole family, which it is. No, no, no. no, no. Absolutely uh, not. Put, put the kids to bed. Anyway, uh, but, but you know, all of that said, like you, I really liked it. The ending is not enough to, you know, make me rethink how I felt about the series. Because on the one hand, I mean, you do want the people that deserve punishment to be punished. Sure. And, and we get that at the end. It just kind of wrapped up a little too quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and they you know, they have kind of that coda, right? Because he solves like the one problem and then he like goes back and then takes care of the other problem. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, listen, it's someone had to write 10, you know, hour long episodes, uh, you know, to make that show. You know, far be it for me to, to criticize it for like the last, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes, which were, yeah, again, still good. Yeah, just you're, you're right. I was, yeah, yeah. I was I mean, aware. I guess the problem is I was aware that it was maybe a little too neat and tidy of an ending. You know? Yeah. So, so we'll leave it there. I mean, if you are a fan of hard science fiction, check it out. If you have not seen any cyberpunk, check it out. I mean, you know, you'll you'll know whether you're in for the long haul or not. But yeah. it's on Netflix. I really liked it. I mean, I certainly would give the the series an A overall. Sure, sure. You know, no matter the end. So, who was your who was your favorite character, we'll real quick? Oh, I, I would have to say Ortega. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I like talk a lot, but yeah, yeah definitely Ortega. Okay. I, I like Poe. So. Poe was great. There's no question about that. The AI yeah. that ran the hotel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no question he was great. And which is funny because they know, say, so. you know, like the like you're going to go to that hotel. Like that's an AI hotel. You know, he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, don't go in there. Like those AI, they they latch on to you and they'll never leave you alone. And and you really see like Poe has this almost like puppy kind of love for tech that you know that he's uh, will do anything for him and, and protect him at all costs and it was just i just thought he was a really great character and very well acted too all right well let's leave it there for altered carbon and get to some of our listener feedback and uh we heard from fred in the netherlands who sent us in an audio and, and then a real short uh twitter uh post that i'll read after we, we talk about his audio feedback so let's Take a listen to Fred, and then uh, we'll come back. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback on episode 3, 4, and 5 of season 1. After getting the uh, getting to know the crew a little bit more in the double episode 1 and 2, uh, 3, 4, and 5, you really get to know them and like them. And what I find uh, very nice in the first uh, episode I'm discussing now, three and the horns of a dilemma, is that um, the librarians um, are getting to know each other. And by that way, we also getting to know them. Um, After watching this episode twice, I listened to your podcast and I have to say, you really cover everything. I had some notes, but everything was covered by your podcast. Funny moment in this episode was, of course, the big discussion. If we could call Cassie's tumor a brain grape or not. What we also see in this episode that are getting more and more equal. Um, in, in this episode, Eve was still in command and... Uh, at the end of this episode, they were more equal. Um, for instance, uh, um, Eve to uh, to Cassie, um, it's not a suggestion, it's an order. And Cassie replies, and I'm not a soldier. In this episode, there was the moving staircase. And one of the things I think you didn't refer to in your podcast what that, what, is that it is a big... Um, reference to uh, the uh, staircase um, lithograph by M.C. Escher, which is very well known. It's a Dutch artist, and uh, the lithograph is called Relativity and was uh, made in 1953. I will send you a copy of that. One more proof that they're getting more and more equal is is that Eve says... um, Everybody fits into a box, but you don't. Um, but she says a little later, you're not assets to be protected, not soldiers I can order around. I don't know what you are. And Stone says, maybe the term you're looking for is partners. And Eve says, fair enough. About the next episode, that can be very short, uh, and Santa's Midnight's Run. It was originally aired in on the 21st of December 2014, and it's really a Christmas uh, episode. And if you're not in the spirit of Christmas, 
uh, somewhere in February. Um, it, it's it's nah, a bit silly and uh, uh, you really have to be in the Christmas spirit to like it, I think. One funny phrase in uh, in this episode is when they are flying the plane and Eve says to Stone, uh, Google how to lower a landing gear. The next episode, episode 5, the Apple of Discord was a very, very nice one. And one of the funny uh, phrases in that um, is that uh, Ezekiel says, That's the Dalek you bloke. He is eating my double cheese and extra pepperoni. He is evil. Nice in this episode is that Flynn is back again. One other nice phrase here is very short by Cassandra when she's evil. So she has the apple of uh, of discord and she says to Eve, sip it blondie. Also nice is that Cassandra is running around a bit more sexy than just in her very tight up clothes as normally. Funny is when she loses the apple, the first thing she says, what happened to my clothes? To Stone. What I very much liked is when... Um, uh, Eve and uh, Flynn have the apple uh, in their hands uh, at the same time and the, f- the phrases they uh, do then at that moment. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, ditch the snot-nosed sidekicks. Get ourselves a penthouse with room, service and a view. But first we take over the world. I like this plan. Oh, your world or mine? Well, mine is bigger. Ah, bigger isn't always better. Last question I have, which you should not answer, because it probably will be in the next episode. But I wondered, what is the relationship uh, between Dalekyu and Yankins? And they talk about um, that they were together a thousand years ago or something. All right. Well, yeah, it's it's great that Fred's getting into the librarians from the beginning, and and I have a feeling sure. it's not going to take him all that long to get caught up. He he's talking about episodes one hundred three, one hundred four, and one hundred five, just in some general terms. And, and I like what he says about how, you know, as we the audience get to know the characters, they're getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And you know, so you know, we kind of like basically are you know kind of growing up with the librarians as so to speak and uh, yeah really great job that they did at first of, of building that connection between audience and yeah, character and you know and as he points out some little details it's like oh yeah that was awesome and the right. one he you know when he brings up about eve barking out commands as she's trying to feel her way and 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 learn her role cassie you know just shoots back i'm not a soldier yeah. And, you know, we talk early in the in, in the series, Cassie is not as uh, forceful a personality as she becomes. Sure. Yeah, it, it was weird, like, hearing that, kind of thinking about the characters and what they were like way back when. Because it's been a while since I've, you know, watched episode one. So, um, and they really have evolved since then. Yeah, and, and then in 104... Uh, that's that's the episode where they've got a the fly the plane that's uh, is that the Christmas yeah, episode? Yeah, no, yeah, I can't remember. That's, I think it uh-huh. is. And, and like Google, how do you land a plane? <laughs> <laughs> like just awesome. Yeah. And then of course he brings up uh, arguably my favorite villain from the series, and that is Duloc and, and his 
accomplice, Lamia, who I've talked about many oh, times, yeah, Leslie yeah, Ann yeah, Brandt, yeah. who's now now in Lucifer. But uh, the incomparable Matt Frewer, who turns up in Alter Carter. Yeah, he was in Alter Carter, right? Yeah. So looking like he should have been in, in the Hunger Games in uh, District 1. Yeah, yeah kind of, <laughs> it looked like, uh, I thought they were kind of uh, shouting out back to the old Max Hedrum days. Oh, good point. Absolutely. Yep. He also brings up a question. Fred says, what's the relationship between Duloc and Jenkins? And, and Fred, I, I think we've just got to say, you, mate. we can't <laughs> tell you. Now, it's too spoilery. You got to find that out on your own. You'll be glad you did for sure. So we'll, we'll just leave that at that. But good catch and, there, and Fred. Fred's, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and then Fred shot us a, a quick Twitter and says, of course, I'm just at season one, episode five, but I stumbled over the fact that Rachel Nichols is in season four, episode six, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. Just so coincidental and so cool. I just love her. And that's mainly because of you, Dave, together with Mike pointing me towards Continuum. When I was in Vancouver in October 2016, I visited several Continuum filming sites. Also a very nice experience. Greetings, Fred. So uh, Fred, as always, Love your feedback, uh, you know, and it's so cool to kind of revisit season one. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah any, any little nuggets, you know, send them our way. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, talking about good stuff, let's get into the librarians and the grave of time. Graves. Uh, is it Graves? Oh, yeah, of it course. Graves, yeah, yeah. Uh, episode right. 406, written by Marco Schnabel, who also wrote... Uh, the Rise of Chaos with Dean Devlin, which was uh, 301. And he also wrote 310, The Wrath of Chaos. And then, of course, he wrote uh, the season premiere of, of season four, Dark Secret. And he wrote this with Larry Stuckey. This is his first writing credit on The Librarians, directed by Jonathan Frakes, his 10th episode. And, and most recently, he did The Librarians and the Silver Screen. And then this aired December 27th, 2017 which was the last of the doubled up episodes so starting with episode seven we're just going one a week and like i said at the top and and it sounds like you agree with me i I really love this episode on so many levels i mean there's there's just so much to like i mean anything in particular jump out at you first um well I, i i like the the whole concept of matching up eve with nicole in this one i thought that was really cool well done um you know girl power all the way uh them going around kicking some butt and uh you know and also really the main thing that i took away from this was how much it humanized nicole which honestly you think well why did that need to be done because you know from the movie we had already had a lot of sympathy for Nicole, but but obviously this is like a completely new character, not just because Rachel Nichols is playing her now, but just because she's changed so much after being in captivity and being alive for so long. And it really that the whole concept of, which is not a new concept, we, we've seen it in numerous books and movies otherwise, but the idea that you know living a super long life, being immortal is not necessarily everything is cracked up to be. Yeah, exactly. And and that's probably a good place to start. I mean, the second chapter of the Nicole Noon tale, or I guess if you count the movie, this would be the third chapter. But, you know, so we find out she's buried these 
artifacts in graves all over the world and we'd get the one that 1543 to 1579 so so we get a sense of you know really how long it is that she's been around what one of the things that it got me to thinking and i don't know if this has ever been expressed in the series or the films is the guardian always a woman and if so why and is cassandra the first female librarian yeah good point I don't think we know the answer to either of those questions. So I think certainly in every, you know, obviously with the TV episodes, it's always been uh, Eve. And um, I think even in the third one, he didn't, he wasn't with a guardian. There was was Stan, the the girl from, the lady from uh, Castle. Oh, right. Stan, was that her name? Yeah. How quickly we forget, huh? Yeah, you're not um, So I don't think she was a guardian, or maybe it was in the second one. Like he was just kind of teamed up with a, you know, a fellow treasure hunter or something like that. Maybe it's the second one, but in one of them, he didn't have a guardian and everything. But still, well, he, uh, so well, he has a guardian. Just the guardian didn't right. appear with him. Yeah, right, right, correct. So okay, well, you know, like you, I. I I love the fact that, number one, Eve trusts her and wants to help her because there's just something, and maybe it's guardian to guardian, but just, and she articulates it that, you know, my military background says that we leave no man or woman behind, so I've come to get you, while Jenkins immediately feels she's trying to bring down the library. And then I also found it interesting that right away, Cassandra sees her as guilty, that she's got to face punishment for her crimes. Stone Mm -hmm. figures she's here to get an apology for what Jenkins did to her. And Jones just figures she's here to drink a pint with her mates, (laughs) Right, which was, which was classic. You know, you see the black, the white, and then there's Jones. And who, what what is it with him coming out of the kitchen? I I was wondering (laughs) about that. I, I, you know, I still don't know. Big bowl. He's got flour on his face. It was hilarious. And, and I'm thinking, like, okay, he's probably not cooking. What is he doing back there? But we don't well, find out. Maybe he was cooking, well, which is maybe. just so funny, you know? Like, so know. it's just a great because it's just so out of nowhere. You're just like, wait, was is he cooking? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It was just I, I love that. I like those little details like that, you know? Yeah, and and I love the competitiveness between. Eve and Nicole when they're taking down those bad guys in the mortuary and, and that first scene and, and you know, it's like well you'd be much better served using this martial arts technique and and, and they're so caught up in one upping the other they turn around the bad guys and the artifact are gone mm-hmm. and I, I love the fact that I, I think they learn so much from that one scene there that you know, and, and and again, Eve articulates it later that we've got to work together, and you know there are a few bumps in the road along the way, but I think that's what makes this, you know, episode so good. And we'll talk about some of the details in the episode, but obviously the other big thing here is the departure of Flynn Carson, and right. with six episodes to go, you have the answer to the question, yes. which you're not going to. I'm not going to bring, bring up. But, I would never do such a thing. Oh, I know. But, you know, we get to the end, 
Eve comes in wearing that bowling shirt ready to go bowling. And again, it's it's another theme that's been out there about trying to lead a life away from the library. And Jenkins is holding Flynn's tethering ring and tells mm-hmm. her, I think it means Mr. Carson has resigned from the library and he will not be coming back. Now, yeah. I would say on the one hand, well, obviously we know he's coming back and it might not be this season, but you know, it, I love the way they do it. And, and the reason they can get away with it is because we know Flynn Carson. We know that he may feel I'm not coming back, but circumstances will change and something might happen to bring him back. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> And that's I'm all I'm going to say but, but, about yeah, that. I, I, I'm just trying to say things without kind of letting anything on. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, Lynn, uh, Lynn Flynn just, uh, you know, bolts out. You know, no, 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 nothing. No buy your leave. Uh, doesn't even let Eve know that he's not going to make it for bowling night. Just scarpers. Yeah. I mean, is it cowardly that he does it like that? I mean, or, or is he maybe, know. Af- is he afraid that he could be persuaded to stay? Yeah, I mean, that's probably would be a, the most likely uh, scenario. Okay. Or just, you know, maybe he just feels like I just got to get my head right. And, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean. It's it's very complex because it's, it, it, it just, I, I, even when I, I first saw it, I thought, that, this is kind of coming from out of left field a little. I mean, not, I won't say out of nowhere because they have established that, you know, maybe Flynn's feeling a little bit of distrust with the library and certainly is unsure about what's going on with Nicole and, you know, why she was locked up this whole time and everything. So just going through a lot of things and feeling a lot of emotions at once. So he might have just been like, I just got to get out for a little bit. Yeah, I guess I just have a hard time, you know, giving him a pass on walking away from Eve without saying anything. Right, well, especially since so, so they're supposed to tether, right? So, yeah. how, what what now? Well, what now, indeed? And you know, again, we'll get to that in a, in a minute. But I guess all of this plays into that idea of establishing an identity apart from the library. And and you know, we see Flynn and Nicole walking through the outskirts of Chernobyl, and you know, he asks her why she left, and when she says, oh, well, I was hoping you would come after me." Baird did. I, I guess on the one hand, we can go to that stock answer. Well, that's Flynn. But that's not a very good answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, we, we see, you know, that, uh, you know, certainly by being around the coal, he's starting to, I don't know if what he really is, because you know, like she seems like she's kind of questioning the, the library, which we would Fair enough. She was just locked up for a hundred years. You know, that's definitely we get why she would, you know, be doing that. It seems like she's trying to get Flynn to also question the library, and um, you know, for the most part, he seems like to be not having it. But on the other hand, you know, who knows if it seemingly it must have, you know, taken root at least a little bit. Well, right, and and again, we know they had a relationship in the past, and and we know that Nicole knows he has a relationship with Eve in the present, and we we don't see 
anything that would lead us to believe that she's going to try to break them up, which you could argue that's why she leaves. And, you know, that may or may not be true. But I think the important thing is when she brings up that idea of whether or not he ever tried to define himself apart from the library. And then that idea that we're both prisoners of the library, only you can't see it. And I, I, I think that's what leads him to just turn and run without somebody telling him, no, you're wrong. You're not a prisoner because he kind of knows, well, that's of course what they're going to say that the library needs me. And so then, you know, then I'm back to thinking like, okay, well I get that. So I, I kind of can understand why he would just leave in the middle of the night, like, the Mayflower vans in 1983 oh. driving away in a snowstorm from Baltimore. Oh. All right. That's Ouch. enough. Yes. All right. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is if he's thinking this, and, and again, we don't know how much is going to get imparted to the, the three young ones, but uh, obviously it might be something they need to consider as well, which then got me to thinking they don't know about Darrington Dare's warning about multiple librarians, do they? I don't think I don't they do. Think, I don't think they do, no. Because I think if they did, they'd probably talk oh, to Oh, wait, they Flynn. don't. They don't, because because right. uh, um, Jenkins is saying something about to, um, to Flynn when Cassandra walks in. She's like, what are you talking about? Oh, right, the yeah. Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to kind of agree with Jenkins on this one because I, I, I'd said it last week. Like, you know, Darrington's warning, like he calls it what, uh, um, antiquated and paranoid. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, like, um, and, and, I, and I mentioned last week just how annoyed I was with with uh, Darrington kind of shoving his you know viewpoint down Flynn's throat repeatedly like that. So, uh, you know. I don't actually know where I'm going with that one. So let's move on. Okay. All right. Well, obviously, and and you alluded to this a minute ago, the the realities of immortality. It's one of those things that, well, it sounds good until you've actually lived it. And again, to bring it, you know, Lucifer into the mix for a second, one of the characters in the show we, we find is actually Cain and his punishment for killing his brother is that he is immortal. And right. he's basically reached he's a point where to walk the earth exactly the where he, upon him. where he wants to die and and the and the same thing with, with him and and we we see it here and Nicole says it that yeah I'm immortal I can't die but it, but it still hurts when I get shot right 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 so yeah. and then she says everything hurts about being immortal you know and it's like. Well, right, and I think the the emotional aspect, you know, even more, and and in fact, when she opens that one box, yeah. and I don't even remember if there's an artifact in that. It's really a bunch of mementos from her lives. Right, right. So why did she need to open that up then? Right. Well, yeah, I I mean, I think you mentioned humanizing her, and I think that really, for me, did it more than anything in this episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, when you see the pictures of her children, um, that, I mean that that you know that really does it. Like and her family, and uh, you know, like people who she had loved, and you realize she's lived for like you know five hundred some years, 
has loved people, but you know, the axiom is she's always had to watch him die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, has never been able to hang around herself for more than like you know she has to fake her death every twenty years because she doesn't get any older. That right. you know, raises alarms. Yeah. And, you know, the the whole idea. And, and I like the fact that she can open up to Eve knowing the relationship that Eve has with Flynn because she says hoping to see Flynn again is what kept her going. But I think most importantly, Eve is now recognizing that tethering and becoming immortal is really maybe not what I thought it was going to be. And it, it, she even says, I never realized the full impact of that and and then of course nicole says well make damn sure you've got a good reason for doing it now now that we get to the part about jenkins no longer being immortal what's going to happen you know flynn's not there to tether um, and and again you probably know the answer to this so i'm just going to throw it out there and you don't have to say anything <laughs> right uh, i'm wondering whether jenkins will tether regain his immortality and eve will stay where she is so you don't have to say anything but the other thing eve asks her whether she ever shared the fact that she's immortal and that that's a big deal and and again even in lucifer cain gets to share that with lucifer who you know is immortal as well and and they have a connection there and and this is uh, we don't know if it's the first time she's ever shared it but it kind of sounded that way yeah, it doesn't really seem like she had uh, told anyone else ever that she was immortal. So Yeah, so, uh, you know, what the future of the tethering ceremony is going to be, obviously they've got 41 days, according to, uh, to Jenkins, or all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. Another, another Lucifer reference there. So. <laughs> yeah, all right. Getting it in all, all I'll tell you. All right, so right away, the opening scene... Yeah, we see the men digging up Nicole Noon's coffin, and they only find a key inside. Now, if I was going to nitpick, uh, which I'm not, but I'll bring it up anyway. It's like, all right, you buried it in a coffin. You just left it there out in the open. You didn't, like, wrap it up in the coffin and all right, whatever. But Or, like, have buried underneath, like, like a different name or something. You know? Yeah. Like, so, but, yeah, anyway. But, hey, Christopher Heyerdahl. Dude, right? Really? I mean, yeah. he is just awesome. He I, I, Look, I, I see him in Van Helsing, which is a show I cover for Den of Geek, and I, I've covered both seasons. He may be the best evil guy yes. out there. Ab- I, mean, I, w- I was about to say that. Best bad guy ever. Uh, uh. Um, was he a bad guy in Sanctuary? Well, he kind of was. I mean, he was Jack the Ripper. Right, but, but, he, but he was like... Struggling with it, right? Exactly, right, right. Yeah. Um, but in Hell on Wheels, oh my, oh, he was just the worst. I mean, like the best worst, you know? Like he was so evil and bad. And just every time something bad was happening to Bohannon, he was right. Uh, it was just, he, he, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. He's so, he's so great. Like at, at, at uh, what he does, um, it just, fabulous yeah and i mean the the little case of the week if you will uh you know him trying to recover all of these artifacts to then be able to use 
Koshi's needle, which actually turns out to be a dagger rather than a needle. But, you know, once we find out that he's actually Rasputin from the Romanov family and the Russian Revolution and, and all of that, well, that was pretty cool. And, and, and we've talked about the special effects in, li- in, in the librarians before, but I thought that was pretty cool when he transformed from, uh, you know, the, the character we saw into Rasputin. That, that was pretty well done. That, that was very well done. Yeah, that was some really good work there and everything. So it was cool. Yeah. Now, we didn't get to see a ton of the younger librarians, and we've brought that up the last few podcasts. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But I did love Jones when they're trying to find out what happened to Eve because she just disappeared. And I think Stone's the one that went to her apartment. And, you know, well, she took her favorite boots. She did this and then. Jones comes in. It's like, oh, no, she took the, you know, four o'clock flight from Heathrow to whatever because I hacked her computer. And and Cassandra's like, well, that's terrible. And I I kept thinking, like, she was going to follow it up with, but good job, Ezekiel. Yeah. But. (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of expecting that, too. But, yeah, no. But, uh, and then again, and I think Cassandra when when she realizes that Flynn and Jenkins are going and the three of them have to stay behind, which is kind of become a recurring theme we get to be jenkins she yeah she states and she's so excited about it too like she you know she does her bubbly jumping skipping over and like just can't wait to uh to dial up a door for him yeah and what is it so great about jenkins job <laughs> you know that's what I, guess <laughs> I was trying to figure out well i think as we've said before cassandra gets enthusiastic about a lot of things, you know, that are, again, partly I would say because of, you know, like her, um, what she'd seen as her imminent mortality for so long that, uh, you know, just little things that, you know, she was led, led, like we forget how sheltered and secluded her life was before. But then when she gets like really excited about something as simple as opening up the door, it kind of reminds us of how, secluded her life had been yeah well that's an excellent point i will say that and then uh, you. you know we we talked about the uh you know the, the ideas with immortality and flynn asks jenkins you know when when they go to that mortuary and you know it, it was kind of a funny scene you know when he pretends that jenkins is his grandfather who's going to die yeah. the next day <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, it was okay. I mean, I, mean, I, I thought it was way funnier when Eve escaped through one of the, uh, I don't even know what you call those things. Uh, uh, you know, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And she, the, the national treasure scene that they had there. And she startles that family that's in there for yeah, their yeah. loved one's funeral. I thought that was way funnier. But but, but it was still just, you know, like, when, as Christian Kane said in your interview, you know, talking about, um, you know John Larroquette as and his you know comedic uh, acting abilities. He, he gets to show him off a little bit here, you know, yeah, because it's, it's funny because of Jenkins, who's so staid and composed all the time, now has to you know act up a little bit. Well, right, and then Flynn follows it up with that that question: Aren't you glad you never had to deal with any of this? Meaning a funeral, death, and all of that. And, and of course, Jenkins admits that, well, I'm not so sure, which is obviously something that Nicole has been struggling with. And 
Flynn and Eve will have to struggle with. And, and we know Flynn's struggling with it because he leaves. And now Eve, uh, I certainly would imagine uh, in the final six, we're going to see her struggle with this as well. Oh, okay. The, the, the one scene when Flynn and Jenkins you know, show up, e- even Nicole think they're on their own. And I get it. And I think even Eve says when she first encounters Nicole that, look, you can either help me. Uh, nobody knows I'm here. I can call and get four more librarians here in a heartbeat. And, and you know, I mean, that, that certainly has, has some effect. But he goes in to hug both of them because he thinks they're fighting over him. And I think it's, Nicole, modesty or humility? You know, yeah. we, we, <laughs> Which is it that we love about him? <laughs> yeah. You know, then we, then we, you know, we see that Rasputin comes in and, and he, you know, now we don't know he's Rasputin yet, but he claims Nicole destroyed his family. Yeah, but he, you kind of, I think even, I think even the first time that I saw this, I was like, because, you know, he's saying like, I, I'm, a, and I actually wanted to look up how many people throughout history have claimed to be descended from, you know, Tsar Nicholas II. Uh, to be some kind of surviving Romanov, but uh, but you know, as he's saying this, and, and they keep mentioning Rasputin, and I'm like thinking, you know what? You know, it's just I, I would just think, would it be like uh, like kind of ironic if if this guy's actually Rasputin? Because obviously, that's the thing about Rasputin that everyone knows. Uh, not only that he had seemingly the ability to cure the. Uh, Zarevich is, uh, I think that's how you say it, um, hemophilia. And also that, uh, you know, he famously refused to die, you know, after being poisoned and shot and stabbed and beaten. Uh, like he just did not, would not die and finally was th- rolled up in a carpet and thrown in the river where he right. died of drowning. Right. And, and, and drowned that's- after all that. I mean, Nicole comes and says, he's the one that I wanted to kill with the knife, not you, Jenkins. And now, of course, we're like, okay, who to believe? I mean, obviously, on the one hand, we want to believe her, but there is still that doubt. But then, you know, yeah, he well, takes Jenkins, the knife. Uh, well, he takes uh, the knife. Not and- securing a, a, a dangerous weapon here, you know? Well, right, and he plunges it into Nicole's chest, and you know that's when he turns into Rasputin with the hair and the beard, and and of course we're wondering whether or not she's dead. And I've stayed away from IMDb. You've seen the whole series, so but when you saw it the first time, we're wondering, okay, maybe this is it. Rachel Nichols just guest star. There's been you know no sure. implications that she was joining the cast, but uh, Jenkins of course realizes he was wrong, and then Eve is feeling like. I couldn't protect her. I failed as a guardian. And well, you weren't her guardian. You right. Know, she, she, she's, she's a, a guardian as well. Right. Yeah. And, and I get that, but I love the, the radiation detector as a means of saving the day. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I must that, that was, see, this is what I'm talking. See, this is my big problem with last week, right? Last week had some big convoluted whatnot. This is just simply, Get him to stab one of the pipes of radiation and die. You know, like, simple. Yep. Easy peasy, you know. Right. Now, I guess we could argue, well, you know, did all the radiation just go through the dagger into Rasputin? None of it seeped into the air yeah. around Eve and Flynn. All right, well, I guess we'll right. let that go. 
But uh, <laughs> yeah, because they're just like standing there, right? Like there's a basically a radiation leak right in front of you, and they're not even like trying to get out of there. Yeah. Now we get back to the library, and, and Nicole's not dead yet, but obviously she's gravely wounded. Stone is reading the Epic of Gilgamesh, and I I wish I had looked it up. Did you happen to? I know I read it back in college, but I've yeah I've I, yeah I've haven't read Gilgamesh in a long time, but. I kind of check in on it every now and then, but well, I, I don't remember this one part so much. Okay, but but obviously what's taking place here is a transference ceremony where Jenkins is giving Nicole his immortality, and I guess the thought right. is that this is the only way to save her. There's no in-between. It's either all or nothing. Right. And since we've already heard that Jenkins has questioned his own immortality— I guess it's a sense that he can it, – it's kind of like he can have the best of both worlds because while he doesn't necessarily know that Flynn is going to disappear, there is that always hanging out there that I could overrule you and I'll tether myself to the ceremony. I'll regain my immortality and you can continue being Flynn Carson, librarian. Yeah, but at, he's at, not at a librarian, though. That's the thing. You know, like, well, he that's tether? true. Ah, good point. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Um, but see, here's the thing. Even the first time I saw this, I was thinking about this. I'm like, well, the whole episode, Nicole is basically saying that being immortal is terrible. It brings nothing but pain and suffering. And so why would, you know, like, especially Eve, why would she allow, like, she's just saying, listen, I think she kind of would rather die than be immortal anymore. You yeah. know? Y- you mean Nicole? Well, for Eve to say that, Nicole's not able to say that at this right. point. But but Eve could say, you know, hey, you know, she's really been complaining pretty much the whole time about being immortal and how much it sucks. Like, should yeah. we really give away Jenkins' immortality to someone who doesn't want to be immortal? Yeah, see, that's a great question because it, it, it it's so fundamental, yet it's such a heavy burden to have sure. to make that decision. And and, and it's funny. You go back to Altered Carbon and, and the, the scene where she is going to lose her arm. And, right. and, and he certainly buys her the upgrade, but he- I love he, how he, he just spits on it. Well, well he even meant, yeah, right. Well, he even mentions <laughs> later on uh, why, you know that that he considered just getting her a new sleeve, but he understood what a monumental decision that would have been for him to make, even though she right. couldn't make it herself at that point. And honestly, he probably said, "Plus, this sleeve is really, really hot." Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, <laughs> there is that. Let's let's keep this one around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is that. But, you know, now that Nicole has her immortality back, you know, she goes off almost as if she has a new lease on life, but she really doesn't, right? I mean, she's really just going back to what she's, she's back known to where she was right? for the yeah, last absolutely. 500 years. So yeah. that, that's kind of a, a sad state of existence. I mean, certainly she's been able to confide in Eve, and I... And I think that's something that's that's not a little thing but still is it enough probably not so now you know that whole jenkins line you'll always have a place here and then when she tells flynn don't be a prisoner it's kind of like just you know those 
those four words that that resonate with him so significantly that right. is, is what leads him to you know pack his bags in the middle of the night and go so yeah um, yeah i don't know uh so, anything else yeah. i mean it's it just i mean i i can't see giving this one anything other than an a for me oh yeah this, this, is, this is a for sure it was, it was a great great episode like i said uh pivotal episode in in, in this in, well in the series but in, in this season for sure and just really well done and just so much happens in this and, and so much like stuff that resonates with the themes not just with what will happen still to come but what has already happened right there's cause it's t- touching on basically questions that uh the show has been raising uh since uh you know season four episode one so yeah i like that um, a lot all right now the decision i have to make and i don't know if you saw my my episode rankings i posted in the facebook group uh, i didn't know okay so I, I ranked them one through five and so now i've got to decide whether i bump this one ahead of the christmas episode i haven't decided yet but I, ah. I, i'm, I'm kind of leaning that way so okay um not sure yet but you know i think we both agree that those would be the two uh episodes that that would even bear consideration for the number one spot true yeah so. yeah all right well i guess we'll leave it there unless there's something else you want to bring up oh there's one thing I need to bring up. Bring up. Oh, okay. When uh, Nicole turns and says, check out the big brain on Baird. Like, how long have they been waiting to use that line? Yeah, good yeah. point. And, and actually, and then there was one, and this is very unlibrarians like Flynn's line at the very beginning in the opening yeah. scene about uh, going bowling I, and I, polishing, polishing his balls. I've been polishing my balls all week. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because they acknowledge it. You know, yeah, like right. In, in exactly. a sitcom, they would just let the laugh track go, but uh, you know, like Jenkins gives him a look, and he's like, "Oh wait, no, that's not." What, you know, so you know, yeah, that that was funny. All right, well, we'll leave it there. I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear what you think about the librarians, altered carbon. You know, anything else that's out there. Uh, we'll be talking maybe next week about some of the shows that are going to be either returning or debuting in the next few weeks. Uh, encourage you to join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails, as always, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which is on the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about Season 4, Episode 7 of The Librarians, titled The Librarians and the Disenchanted Forest. But until then... You know, just like, I, I love every now and then you see a line... It just resonates and speaks to me in my life. This one was, I am the only sane one left around here. <laughs> <laughs>